This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Politics, politics, politics program for September 16th, 2022. Your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you. Well, right now, as I'm speaking to you, I am in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I will be in Austin by the time that you hear this. However, in the meantime, as we get from here to there, you will get a conversation, an an amazing conversation. I swear to God, every once in a while, I'm like, I can't just turn on the the cameras and recording equipment and just get an hour out of Kevin Ryan with just me and him going back and forth. And yet, gosh dang it, it it happens uh, uh, so regularly that uh, I just got to keep doing it. You know, each time I do it, I got to do another one. Before we get started on that, though, and it is a fantastic conversation, I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, A a few things that we can update you on. This is late breaking as I am recording this intro. So this is midweek. Fetterman, John Fetterman, Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania and candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania has some good poll numbers come out for him. So as much as we were, we were kind of looking at some of these polls with Oz creeping up, creeping up, creeping up, getting within the like margin of error range. Now better polling for Fetterman with a Quinnipiac poll that has him up close to 10. And we have further movement on the fact that Fetterman will indeed debate Dr. Mehmet Oz, but it's not going to be until October 25th, which is days away (laughs) from election day, and it will be weeks after mail-in voting begins in Pennsylvania, or will they? There is a continued back and forth on whether or not after Dr. Oz said that he would acquiesce to Fetterman's demands that there be closed captioning for him, Oz comes back and says, okay, a few things. Number one, we will allow you to go through run-throughs with the moderator so they can get a sense of the closed captioning. We will allow you to use closed captioning, provided that when you do those previous two things, you do not go over the actual questions that will be asked. And also, and here's the sticking point, they want the debate to be 90 minutes instead of 60 minutes because they want to allow for the time that it will take for the closed captioning to be typed up. Fetterman has so far refused, so maybe this is not as locked down as we think. There's some Pennsylvania news for you while I am still in the Keystone State. Okay, let's go ahead and begin with our friend, Kevin Ryan, 
but first. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. Good to be here, my man. So I want to talk to you about free speech because it's it's something that has been in my mind for a little bit. On another show that I do, We're Not Wrong, we covered the uh, Keffel's Cloudflare Kiwi Farm situation. H- how familiar or unfamiliar are you with with that uh, uh, that whole kerfuffle? I think I'm 100% unfamiliar. Okay. It doesn't ring a bell. That's fine. Uh, we don't need to go through all of it. I would encourage everybody to go listen to We're Not Wrong if you want a... a you know, not even a deep dive, but but a primer on it. It's very online. It's very internet. But effectively, it revolves around the fact that there was a site for which had many, many awful things, much in the in the in the realm of 4chan or 8chan in terms of of uh, uh, the, the tenor of speech there. But mm. what they did probably better than most is track the behavior of what they called lol cows. LOL cows, effectively people online that are bizarre and screwed up yeah. and embarrassing. And and as you might imagine on, on a site like that, that often fell on culture war lines. It uh, very often found uh, uh, LGBTQ IAA plus 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 folks in their crosshairs <laughs> as they, as they branded them. And, through a bunch of other machinations, they were uh, taken off Cloudflare. But it got me thinking, as I was having that conversation, we tend to have a legal understanding of what free speech is in America, and that is to our benefit, because we do legally enshrine free speech in a way that is uncommon throughout the rest of the world. For sure. That's not all free speech. Mm -hmm. That's not all free speech if we were to talk about it kind of spiritually or the uh, uh you know what we want it to be especially as we continue to refine the internet and what we want to police and what we don't want to police on a forum for which everything on some level is published at least once so i ask this to you kevin ryan what mm-hmm. is free speech to you beyond the law i am a free speech absolutist. Um, I think it sh- anything should be able to to be said. I, I don't think there should, you know, we shouldn't be without consequences for it. So if someone says something uh, outrageously awful and terrible, people should be able to react to, to it with their own free speech. Uh, I was thinking about this. Actually, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night in the context of comedy. Yeah. And- I've been rewatching uh, Chappelle's show mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about how like he comedians sh- should be allowed to choose which of their opinions or lines or jokes are taken as as serious. And no matter how serious other statements are, if they're like, look, that was just a joke, they shouldn't have to face any sort of consequences for it. Uh, that was just what I was, I was thinking last yeah. night, like one a.m. So, so, so you were saying that you wish that there could be like a, a a designation that that you know somewhere you could look it up and somewhere in the script you'd be like, no, this is something I really want to be. This is a level five. I really want to be judged for my thoughts on this. And if you want to take this seriously, please do. 
But, you know, these throwaway things that a character says at the very beginning. No, they're level one. Like, I was just trying to be funny. Uh, I'm not I'm not uh, uh, trying to make a point here. For sure. And I think the, the I like that system. I think the comedian is the one who, who has control over that. And I, I wrote about uh, I wrote about when I was when I did my master's thesis, I wrote about uh, John Oliver. Yeah. And this is essentially what I was going through like whether or not there were moral implications to his activist driven uh, journalistic comedy. Yeah. So it's there. There's always a call to action with John Oliver and that's what differentiates him from what John Stewart was doing and what uh, Fox news tried to do in the early two thousands with like early Gutfeld. Yeah. Um, and um my my conclusion was, yes, John Oliver won a Peabody. Um, he interviewed Edward Snowden. He did all these incredible journalistic things, but he should still be able to say, I'm not a journalist. I'm so, an activist. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, I'm just trying to make people laugh. Okay. I don't think. I don't think John Oliver's great at making people laugh. Uh, He's got his moments. He's got his he moments. He does occasionally. And and I think he also he also says a lot of stuff that's that does stick in my mind that I still think about. Like his his uh his show about like how uh college athletes need to get paid. I think that's a great point. And it yeah. was a point I, I hadn't really heard anywhere else. I, that, that's one of those things I always say about John Oliver is that uh Boy, am I always very impressed whenever he does a segment about something that I don't know anything about. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then I watch one about something that I know a lot about. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Is this all of them? Why? And then, but then I think it does default back to the idea that, like, no, it should be punching above its weight on information. It should be punching yeah. above its weight on activism. If it's not perfect at that, that's fine. The point of it is that you were entertained this is this is news flavored entertainment. This is activist flavored entertainment. And if you get to the end and you're and you're still happy that you're watching it, then that's the only goal that any kind of television show should have. Let me let me let me get to the the kind of roots of what somebody would say against your point, though. Mm -hmm. And that is we don't live in a world where comedians or anybody else can order uh, 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 their their points by how much they want somebody to take them seriously. Everything is always processed on the user's end. They are going mm -hmm. to do whatever they want with it. And while sure, some people might read into it too much and get offended because they might be a group that finds themselves at the butt end of the joke. What is more menacing, Mr. Ryan, are the people for whom take violent actions or believe exactly. that because they are in the majority or they are being emboldened by this comedy trivial though it might be that they are going to take actions and that that i believe is the root of this larger idea 100%. which is on the internet how much speech equals violence because those are always you you define free speech by what isn't free speech and so mm -hmm. that's why we have can't shout fire in a crowded theater blah 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 yeah. blah blah uh what to you is the line between speech and violence okay so i this is fascinating you and i all, you and i always do this we connect yeah 
in let's parallel go. lines. Let's go. Uh, so I just read uh, The Crowd by Gustav, uh, Gustav Le Bon. Uh, and he talks about the psychology of the angry mob. And I, I think we're seeing the digital, the digital version of that. Well, and some of the characteristics, uh, you know, this was written in like the, the late 1800s. He describes, you know, this idea that when, when people become a part of the mob, they they get rid of all personal responsibility and um, they they. Oh, so it's so it, it, it's like absolution, like like you yeah. are you are your your sins are washed away because you are plugging into the hole. That's a fascinating connection. Yeah. Um, yes. And there's also they're very um, angry mobs are very prone to suggestion. The slightest little bit of su suggestion. They're also um, very prone to violence because because people are are able to give into their worst instincts. And it, it either falls back usually on uh, the leader, the leader being the, the person who um, who who commits the initiatory act. Mm -hmm. So like if we were looked at in, in the context of, the, of like the Bible, just ra a random example, that would be like the person who casts the first stone. They become the leader. So the person, the the only murderer is the first person who murders. Everybody else who follows is just a follower. And that that's uh, th there's a transference of blame and responsibility that takes place on on in the online environment it's like tenfold because they're they can veil themselves they can like the the angry mob can actually not even be a mob it can like on reddit it can be they can be bots or they can be it can be one person with like 30 count 30 accounts and yeah. way too much time i guess if we're going to draw that line on social proof and that mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, e hard to do when you're in in the real world, right? Because if if you want a group, a menacing group of people, let's set the line of menacing group of people at four, right? And then it gets more <laughs> menacing beyond beyond that. Uh, then you need at least four people to leave their house. You need them all to be there at the same time. You need them to be a, 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 the same amount of fired up or else the vibe's not going to be right and someone's going to calm somebody down and something isn't going to happen. But you're right. If we process that online as saying, if this tweet gets five retweets, mm -hmm. now in my mind, most of my tweets don't get any retweets. So this is now five times more acceptable or popular than anything that I normally tweet. That is rough when we understand that everybody can have five accounts and, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. There's not really a social metric, which would be damning evidence. If we were in a court of, of internet law, uh, uh, for which we were to say, no, the idea that speech is violence online is overrated because we could bring that piece of evidence that uh, uh, we we often are most terrified by the idea of violent or ugly speech being on the Internet because we're afraid that it will catch fire. We're afraid that it will become more popular, that it will be a, a place to be discovered. 
in a way that it wouldn't if it just happened at the back of a bar in Michigan where it's been happening for as long as there's been bars in Michigan. I, I totally agree. I, I, I would add that I think it's a new form of social contagion. Um, and I would, I, I want to go back to one of the things you said there at the beginning. And it's, it's an idea that I've fought against for a while. And it's an idea that's has sort of popped, popped up in uh, at the university, which is the idea of discursive violence um, that words can literally be violent. And I think that is just like a really bad idea, especially when it's used as a justification for literal violence, which is then labeled nonviolent. So you have this sort of topsy turvy element where uh, the violence that's actual violence is considered nonviolence, while the, the words which are not violent by any metric, I mean, they can be inflammatory. They can be, um, they can be antagonistic. Well, but let's uh, but let's but let's poke holes. But let's poke holes in that because you just uh, earlier said so. Now I'm going to be on the side of words are 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 violence online or can be more violence because this, you that's you true. made you made the point that the internet is a new social contagion. So yeah. if the internet, and I would agree with you, if the internet is a new social a form of social contagion, and let's take a moment right here, uh, describe social contagion for folks who are not familiar with the idea. Uh, social contagion is a um, an idea that sweeps through the community and has real world effects in changing behavior and leading to different action in a, in a way that um, completely robs the individual of their individuality and their sort of ability to make uh, decisions outside of the group psychology. So politics built on social contagions, right? Oh yeah. Like, uh, like it is inventions. It is, yeah, it is. It is the reason why, you know, uh, uh, a couple years ago, Everybody cared about uh, 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 Ukraine for one reason, and now we totally care about Ukraine for another reason. Uh, yeah. the, the news stories, news value, news judgment, what winds up becoming the big story of the day, both on the Democrat and, and Republican side, or at least the media that that feeds into those parties. It's the reason why we we still know who Joe the plumber is or or whatever yeah. this these one little things. They become social contagion ideas and now all of a sudden we are all focused on them but if the internet is a new version of that mm -hmm. then why not err on the side of caution mm -hmm. that words might incite real world violence yeah that's a good that's an interesting that's an interesting point i i think um because i know um like what Antifa is saying yes. is, uh, online is, uh, I don't know. I guess we need to define what what classifies as like a provocation of violence or an or encouragement of violence, um, because I think that 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 has become like political and and like the definitions and are very this tactical. Is, this is where I want to get to because I want it like like. If I say I wish all Democrats were dead, is that <laughs> a provocation of violence? I'm wishing it. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that th I should kill them. I'm not saying you should kill them. I'm just saying I wish and let's even abstract it further. I wish all Democrats dropped dead. <laughs> 
So it was yeah. it was a, a a a biblical plague, and and not even anything that would uh, require the hands of man. Uh, the key part of that is the verb that you're using, and it's like that it's the subjunctive. So it's just like completely wishing you're you like it's a fancy. It's not yeah. a reality. It's so it's like that's how I would say it. And I and I guess my metric, my answer, my metric would be like that we have to co- take a completely like uh sort of mad lib fill in the blank on the noun and it like Republican, Democrat. Um, and I, I would even uh I would even argue in def- in defense of like hate speech being okay. Uh, and that's controversial. And I, it's, it's funny cause it's because that's become like a very conservative perspective, just this idea of, and you know, the, the cliche of like, I'll defend your right. I'll die defending your right to say whatever you want, even yeah, if I disagree yeah, with you. Yeah. Shout out to Voltaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he needs the shout outs l- exactly. lately. Yeah. There we go. I, I guess it's, did it's I one answer of those, your question. Did I veer off no, in the well, wrong territory? Well, we we have no idea what what the question even is with these with these conversations, right? Amen, we're just brother. trying to we're just trying to, to to rummage around, and then if we find it, it'll be the great discovery. I, I I think that like the the wonder that I have, and this is my my hunch, is that the internet, as long as I've been on it. It has been the fascination of my life. It it has come mm. to define, I think, every element of our society, at, at least yeah. if we were to understand where society is going. And one of the things that I feel fairly strongly on is that while the Internet is a social contagion, it is a fractional one, meaning that, yes, more people find out about something but I don't think that it happens in the same way that somebody, uh, uh, you know, coming up to you or your your best friend coming up to you and passionately trying to convince you of something with with whatever evidence. I think that there is a detached element to it. It means that we wind up expressing more kinds of speech, good, bad, indifferent. It might. I think it means that we seek out all different kinds of speech far more. But I think that we take it less seriously than, than we would. And once we kind of fill our buckets with the things that we were going to fill uh, uh, our opinions with anyway, whether or not we were reading magazines or newspapers or watching television or, or hearing stories around a campfire, we're all going to fill our belief buckets, you know, one, one way or another, the effect of the internet, is a lot of, of micro, but not as much macro as I I, I think we assume. I, I think that, that the patterns, the patterns of our world are still kind of the same. And if if you strip out all the day to day things and the fact that we know what Laurel Yanny is and and <laughs> and all, all of our day to day odd odd things, uh, that really we're kind of the same people. And if that's the case, then defining speech in a a more uh, a narrow way online, I think, would be a real travesty. I, I think it would be bad for us in 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 total. I agree. 
I, I think I think one clarification I would add is that if let's say somebody says somebody writes something online that's that encourages violence, yeah. um, the person I hold responsible is the person who commits the violence. Yes. I yes. don't. Uh, the person yeah. who who just says the words is not responsible. And and that's the other the other problem is because it, it gets into some of what happened with, with, with what exacerbated the kiwi farm situation was the idea of doxing and oh, swatting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about doxing because I don't think it's as big of a deal as other people think it is. Mostly because. I went to school to know where you live. I was trained yeah. to find where every, like when, when there are national, we're about to go into a presidential cycle, right? For which any manner of nonsense <laughs> is going to happen, right? There's going to be some dude who farts loud next to Biden's mic. And there's going to be a national reporter, right? Who's going to have an interview with that person, whether or not they were at that event. And you want to know why they're going to be able to do it? Because they're going to be able to find that dude's uh, address. They're going to find that dude's number and they're going to call him because that's their job. It's not impossible to find anybody's information online, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how obscure you think you are. There have been public records that have been gathered in this country for longer than any of us have been alive. They are listed in triplicate, either in paper form or online somewhere. There are multiple different organizations that gather these things. Nobody is beyond being found. And so while I find it to be impolite, while I find it to be distasteful, while I don't think people should do it as a matter of course, the ability to do it to me is totally unremarkable. Yeah, no, that, that's a good distinction because I think that there are social contagions about social contagions. So in this instance, we have um, a tremendous fear related to doxing that the fear is actually a bigger a fear mechanism and tactic than the actual doxing. So whereas you have left and right, left says, Oh my God, they just doxed somebody. They're serious. Right says, yes, uh, they dock somebody in return and it doesn't even matter. It's a subject object that doesn't even matter beyond the doxing. It doesn't matter if it's Ben Shapiro or um, ah, her name just flew out of my head, but somebody on the, on the right or on the left rather. Yeah. So I think there is like, there is a power play involved that doesn't actually involve the uh, doesn't actually pertain to whether or not there are any real world, world consequences for the person who's doxxed. And, and but, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of part of the fear is that it does feel like a step toward violence. Oh, yeah, and it has. It has. Let me look at Kavanaugh, oh, sure. the, the guy yeah. who, who flew from California and all the way from California made it to Kavanaugh's yard. And just lost, and then it. got tackled. Oh no, 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 yeah. Yeah, no! He lost his nerve, right? I think he lost his nerve and wound up like he called surrendering. The police. Yeah, yeah, he called the yeah. police. Like uh, anyway, but there are examples of people following through on that. But of course, on the yeah, and, and you know, but again, and, and, I think that's on them. I think they're the idiot who who like flies from California 
<laughs> I guess, yeah, but oh, this is an interesting idea then. Where is the line between social contagion and personal responsibility? Because you said earlier that the idea of the crowd is something yeah. that, that you can plug into and it, it helps you turn off your own moral compass because you are doing something for the uh, uh, the, the the greater good, you're fleeting or righteous, whatever whatever mob you're kind of part of. But at the same time, social contagion isn't mm-hmm. an, an admissible defense in court. Like we haven't no. based our laws no. on the idea that that well you said. can be, be be swept up in this. So, uh, where is personal responsibility in a world where we personally can be expressive as expressive as we want on the internet? Let's get controversial. Uh, go go. I think I think we should abolish. All political parties, because okay. <laughs> because for this exact reason, because once you become a part of a political movement, you automatically you'll eventually stab yourself in the back and betray your morals. And for me, that's a form of anti-humanism that's not good for society. So by join, there's no way to join the angry mob. And I think political parties are essentially angry mobs without betraying who you are and without there's no way to completely absolve your individuality of personal responsibility. And I know that term personal responsibility has become loaded through Jordan Peterson as sort of a like a conservative dog whistle, if you will. Um, Really? I, yeah, it has. It has like, and oh, I, I, I know, I know, man, it's great. I read enough uh, leftist, like far left Marxist theory to have read quite. There's a whole movement against the self-help um, genre. <laughs> <laughs> In critical theory, there's a part of critical theory devoted to taking down self-help. Self-help, because it is pushing you away from our natural state of sticking up for each other or being more of a, a unit. Is that, is that the idea there? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, the ideas of uh, they see it as shifting the blame from society, which needs to be changed and dumping gotcha. it onto the individual to the point of total burnout. And, and when the person's burnt out, they don't see that capitalism is responsible for causing their destruction. And I guess, yeah, I think the 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 the, the diet Pepsi version of that is the kind of anti rise and grind uh, uh, kind of like like why burn yourself out like this whole like quiet quitting mm-hmm. sort of sort of thing that uh, that sort of went uh, went went viral over the past month or so that uh, you should be in a relationship wherein you give your barest minimum to your employer to your society because the employer sucks and the society sucks and so uh, uh if there were better more equitable situations then that's when you should activate uh, as opposed to taking it upon yourself like you would be renewed if we lived in a better more just society which is a fun Ye- thought no, it's a great thought. I love it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, and I think the problem is it feeds into something that's dangerous and that's at the heart of the the crowd. 
is the need for a sacrificial crisis. It's fueled by scandal, and the scandal inevitably results in the sacrifice of a scapegoat. Uh, and by scapegoat, I'm using, I'm using. Well, I mean a victim who is innocent. A, a tart. Oh, so there has to be a a a a sacrifice on your side, so that that element of righteousness can can uh, 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 come in. Yes, in order to alleviate the, the uh, alleviate the social contagion. Yeah. Uh, in order to like make things right in the community, they have there has to be a sacrifice, and uh, this is very mythological in nature. Like this occurs throughout mythology, where you get the view of the persecutor, and you have a, you're looking at a victim who is in reality is innocent, but who the crowd deems guilty and worthy of sacrifice in order to save. The community. And by the way, an important distinction here is like if you go back to the medieval time, there was no real differentiation between social contagion and like a literal contagion, partly because of. So that's why you have like the dance mania. Of, yeah, and that's and that's like you know, I mean, we get into like the humors and stuff like that. The idea yep. that that we were very yeah. much run by these like a uh, boiling things in our body <laughs> yeah. that, that very much manifested. Your blood uh, uh, is angry. Physical. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, uh, and that's, oh, that's fascinating. And so the idea of like, no, obviously there is a one-to-one relation between uh, 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 what is going on in your chemistry as they understood it and how everybody is reacting. And so if everybody ate the wrong wheat then of course mm-hmm. everybody's going to dance until they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's spot on. Uh, but I and, feel and, like that. And even, and even then that kind of even dovetails into the idea of our kind of like organic or raw foods or the idea that, that we are pumping too many t- chemicals into our produce and that produces uh, these kinds of things. So it's like, as much as we want to laugh at the, at, at, at the medieval folks, it's, you know, uh, ain't, oh. ain't nothing new under the sun. We're we're still doing it. Oh no, yeah, that's that's classic human arrogance. Like, oh man, humans were idiotic up up until this very moment when when I'm the one who's a <laughs> <the> human. <laughs> it's like, and it's endless too. And it's uh, it's that's fascinating. That's part of this the like overall long running social contagion that we Isn't sort that of the most buy fun, into the, it. The most fun part of getting older is realizing like. Oh, I'm I'm kind of out of new things. Like I just see things now and I'm like, oh, that's like that. Like you hear it in music and you're like, oh, this is like that person for this time and 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 they're doing that thing. And you just kind of like you've seen the revolution enough times that, yeah. that you're like, uh it it's almost comforting. You're like you're like you're like, oh, okay, no, sure. This is this is the same old, uh, uh same old. What the moments I really live, especially artistic artistically but also like within i i guess i would say within journalism like long form writing are the moments when you find something that you're like this is truly new and that doesn't happen very often no it really doesn't and i I guess you could sort of and i've always had a problem with with this like cliche that oh 
uh, there's there's been nothing new since uh, in within literature since Shakespeare. Shakespeare did it all. And to me, oh, that's no, like, no, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I forgot about that Shakespeare play that took place in a TGI Fridays. You know, <laughs> like, well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Shakespeare didn't write green text like, uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, you can't tell me everything. Everything wasn't done. And uh, I I think there are new revelations constantly. Well, and also it's like to assume that Shakespeare, Shakespeare is a shorthand for the fact that he iterated and iterated and he was, he was the process of iteration. We're all the process of iteration. We all, you know, what, if anything, the concept of new is in and of itself an illusion. Like it's new to us. It is, it is new to the way that our brains are processing it. And maybe we overrated or underrated in, in whatever moment, but it's like, you know, uh, 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 did you see the movie, uh, uh, everything everywhere all at once? Oh man, that was fantastic. Yeah. It was so great. And that was the first time in a while that I'd walked out of a movie theater and I was like, yeah, this is, this is new. This is something for which, yeah. you know, and, and it's fascinating in that they were doing that as kind of a riff on the idea that everybody wants to tell these metaverse stories now and everyone mm. wants to tell these alternate reality stories. And so they did the biggest, like there's no way that anybody gets done watching that movie either in a theater or at your home on VOD. And you're like, I could use a little bit more alternate realities. It's like, no, they exhaust <laughs> your your appetite for the concept while telling a very kind of simple and and beautiful mm. story about you know, uh, uh, where the end of nihilism is, you know, like, like what is, what is the final form of knowing everything and, and, and whether or not you choose to walk into the darkness or the light, uh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. That's very new. I'm sure that there's some point, uh, uh, where, where that idea was also really new to somebody when they figured out in some other piece of literature or art or play or opera or something at, at some other point in history. Yeah, like you can trace a lot of that idea, especially the fight against nihilism with, uh, I mean, the movie's very absurdist. And I'm using that going back to like specifically Camus and like the myth of Sisyphus, where it's like we must think of Sisyphus as happy. He's he's condemned to eternal punishment of shoving a rock or a boulder up a hill only to have it fall back down on him. But we have to think about Sisyphus the moment before it reaches the mount and falls back down because maybe it will reach the top it won't but for for that moment when it's suspended in between the two it's his rock it belongs to him and I think I mean there's literally in the movie there's literally the conversation between the two rock the two boulders there's two yeah there's two rocks so yeah so, uh, subtle spoilers if you have not seen uh, Sorry, yeah, all at once. no 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 if, if we're we're to the point where now if you haven't seen it then you need a few spoilers on top yeah. so so you can breadcrumb your way to this movie because it's amazing it's it was, hard it was my to favorite spoil movie of last too. year oh, oh Jesus I yeah. agree yeah I don't think we could spoil it. For anybody. And and that is that's goes back to what you're saying. There is like a, a lot of revelation in there and this this openness for uh, epiphany. Maybe we should use the word epiphany, but I think both of them apply. I think, yeah, because and, and it just sort of gets into the idea of that movie being a message for our time. Oh, big time. And, and I think that that's that's what 
you know, if, if the themes that they are exploring are when you know everything, do you become closer to those that you love or do you disappear into despair? And there's no doubt yeah. that we listening to, to our voices right now, you, uh, no more than anybody ever in history. Mm-hmm. And so it is something that I think we wrestle with. And that's why we wrestle with what, what our initial theme was on, on what is violence and what is speech, because we don't know how to act when we know everything. I've got friends, close friends that are like making decisions over the next year based on climate change. Which oh, I'm wow. not here to explain no. wh- whether or not that is a valid thing or not, but mm-hmm. there is no doubt that while we are experiencing elements of climate change, uh, the the idea of New York being underwater tomorrow is not the case. <laughs> the idea of of all of society collapsing next year is not the case, and yet I do think that that is because we can tailor all of our information to find out everything we want about climate change. We can, uh, there is a, mm-hmm. a gigantic booming industry in people telling you either that it is overblown or it is not, uh, uh, uh exposed <laughs> yeah. enough. Right. And so you can, you can find out more than ever. And, and that I think is, is maybe the defining spiritual quest of our age is, does that make us happy or sad? Okay, okay, we're going to stop this real quick so I can let you guys know that the number one priority I have as soon as I get back to Austin, Texas, is to book travel so I can go in these final few weeks of the midterms and catch some of this sweet campaign action before we wrap up in November and click clack, lock and load for our two-year presidential cycle. Oh, baby. It's it's go time. It's go time. And the way that you see this covered, the likes of which nobody else does. Nobody else spends their own money to go out on these things. Nobody else is is, is giving you the kind of analysts that, that, that we do here on PX3. Nobody else is talking about Every everything everywhere all at once <laughs> like me and Kevin are about to on the show we are the spot for it and if you want to recognize that and you want to make sure that we continue to be that well you can head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com and help us out sign up for a Patreon at the $3 level you get two bonus episodes each and every week one on Monday one on Thursday late breaking news That is what you are in the business for if it breaks either on Friday. It's one of those stories, those Friday news dumps. That's the Monday episode. And if it breaks in the middle of the week after our our recording schedule, that is the catch-all for that. So head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 level gets you two bonus podcasts each and every week. And now, back to my conversation with Kevin Ryan.
I think the first element of it is that it's on every side, the propaganda of progress, the, the idea that this will advance us. And because it will advance us, it's worth doing. And there's no real like, like long thought about whether or not it is a progressive, not politically progressive, but like socially progressive. Does it move us forward? Does it improve us? Does it make us better? Um, and I think the, the, the metric for does it make us happy or sad? Um, I think the error is that that question is attached to something that's fundamentally misguided to begin with. Like it's all, it's not going to make us happy that like we eventually arrive at a point that we thought was progress only to find like, I, I mean, I was, I was just thinking about like, I remember being in in eighth grade and and reading about how acid rain was just going to melt all our skin off and like California was going to be gone and hole in the ozone layer. Yeah. And and that was terrifying. That was so Mm -hmm. scary. That was so. And, and here we are like having met the, I think specifically with like the, the environmental crowd on both sides, it's just like, I think the reality is pretty boring. And uh, but they they see there's sort of like a utilitarian uh, thought behind it, like, well, we need to we need to avoid this outcome. But it's just so boring that people won't listen to us unless we throw some spices into it. And that's the interesting part, right, (laughs) is is like. We torture ourselves with information. I think that it's very clear that at a certain point we have terms in our lexicon now, like doom scrolling, right? Like that, that <laughs> yeah. is literally the, the exact torturing yourself with information. You just want more information to, to fill out your hair suit because you don't feel that you have punished yourself enough. Uh, and, and it makes me wonder if the the thing that we if if we had a a a a a, a psychological or, or theological stock market that we could invest in certain philosophies uh, uh, that will gain traction going forward, if there isn't a concerted movement toward embracing helplessness, that oh, that, like- that that's that that's just the next thing that that sure we can. We can now that we can gaze into the cosmos and we can see every exploding star and we can Mm. understand how infantile we are. We can understand how powerful we are. We are constantly doing these calculations in our head that maybe the only thing that is the true uh, uh, extract of that is I am helpless. All I can do is focus on on me and mine. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that's uh, I think we just tapped into what motivates me to to create is the idea, the real like promoting the realization of uh, vulnerability and uh, vulnerability, like the acceptance of it and realizing on the individual level and then reaching out to the other and to other people and to to like letting them know that you're you're vulnerable and that you do have a responsibility to others. There yes. is a responsibility, but it doesn't, it shouldn't hinge on whether or not society will collapse. It should, it should be an act of face to face vulnerability. 
and and um a condition of and there is a theological element insofar as like the theological and the political are really hard to divide. Well, really, I mean, politically, so much of, of what we understand as political speech. And even when we get into these culture war issues, it's a, it's fretting over and celebrating the victories in steering our society. However, we define it. That's right? true. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's why I love talking about politics because the people that are directing you into the into the booths, whether or not there's an actual crisis in society, they're going to find something that will make oh, you yeah. go to the polls, right? And and so the art of doing that, whether or not you are affected by it to the point where you now need to. Uh, definitely vote. Okay, more than that. I need to definitely tell my friends to vote. Okay, more than that. I need to volunteer. Okay, more <laughs> than that. I need to give money toward this cause because I'm afraid that society is going to move away where I think it should go because there's somebody else working twice as hard and donating twice as much. Hell, not twice, 11 billion times as much. <laughs> Uh, that desperately wants society to go in the other direction. And that's powerful. That That's extraordinarily powerful. So it is powerful. It, it, I think that's the essence of power. And what I'm always interested in is, is determining like, what's the source of that power and does the source benefit greatly or, or like who, who or what, benefits from this this level of sacrifice and and self-sacrifice and suffering like the person who like gives up the possibility at, at becoming a leader or having all these different goals or, or um different accomplishments in order to serve the good of a a movement and like you know who does the does the king eat bugs in times of like starvation? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also it's like I, I think if there is one thing, and this is why I believe that the internet is is the greatest tool of my lifetime, uh, and and possibly ever in terms of free speech, is because we are far more decentralized now than we yeah. ever have been. Well, for and, sure. And the powerful, regardless of what their bank accounts are, mm. are less powerful than they were before. Uh, it is harder to get something to catch on uh, because there are more less powerful players on the field. You know, before we started recording, I was reading this article about the Hunter Biden laptop. And it's like, for whatever anybody might think about <laughs> the omnipresent control of conservatives in media. And let mm -hmm. me say this. Yes, most Media outlets are run by conservatives at the executive levels, many times in the in the editorial boards. The rank and file staff of, of mainstream media stuff are usually liberals, and that's why you wind up getting the content that you get. But if everybody, if all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't make a story about the candidate running for president's son smoking crack and 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 having sex with hookers and regardless of what you believe is is in those emails or not there's enough insinuation that that you should have had it be a big run they couldn't do it at the moment that they wanted to which means they couldn't do it and yes. so now that is a thing because it is a legitimate story but 
it shows you where where you know for for everybody who who jumps up and down and screams and yells about the power of fox news they didn't have the power to do that in fact they backed away from the story yes yeah and, and we can we uh, we could all we could get into why they didn't but i i think there's also like some mystery about is it um, did they was it that they couldn't do it or they didn't want to Oh, I think there were enough people that wanted that to happen. There were enough people that wanted Donald Trump to win beyond Joe Biden to win up to and including everybody in the apparatus that would have remained in power. Like, you know, there there is there are kind of two templates and and you can replace the head of it all all you want. But the same people kind of move in and oh, out for sure. of, of, of position. So you're telling me everybody that would have benefited from that? They all are are pushing like as as hard as they can on it, and and they can't make it happen. That's that that says something to me. That that says that a there was a the you know, the hierarchy of power uh, uh, changed on a level of you know the social media companies, and uh, you know it it very quickly that story specifically became more about what Facebook and Twitter were censoring than the story itself. Yeah, yeah, they they um they all were like regularly appearing before house committees after I, I don't yeah. or before and after that uh, with regard to the way they handled or mishandled the 2020 election. And I think it's like an interesting mix. Of, and this is this is the nature, the mysterious nature of power. I think yeah. it's a mi mix of like well-meaning people and people like uh I think Dorsey and, and what Twitter were doing, they were, they thought they were being smart and judicious and, you know, they had a form of equality in mind, political equality in mind in that they were just going to take down anything at all. That was even remotely um, dubious. Well, to, which, to understand that, to understand that you really have to understand how much Silicon Valley and the social media companies blamed themselves for Trump getting elected. Oh, like, yes. The same for the for the news media. Yeah. Yeah. You need to go go and watch. There's a town hall, a Google town hall the week after the election it might have been days after the election, because I think they do it on Fridays. But if you watch them saying, why did we Google the company elect Donald Trump and how much they personally thought that they were responsible to it? I've got my quibbles and debates on exactly how much they had anything to do with it. But boy, did they believe that uh, uh, then you understand exactly why they made those decisions during the, the Hunter Biden thing, because they had enough of a reason. You know, you had you know, the, the, the 15 experts, uh, uh, which I, I love that now for me, I, I believe something less the moment somebody shows me a letter signed by x amount of experts like oh I, it, yeah it is, it, it is the mark of like like you know uh that you are trying to cover something up when 15 experts sign a sign a letter about something i'm like okay well now, <laughs> now you actually just gave me a red flag but you understand why the the tech companies did that because they did not want to elevate something that they thought was was not uh judicious at least I don't know. I mean, obviously they wanted one side to win, and and they didn't want another side to win. But that's I it think, right there. 
But also it's like, that's what news is. And it's what news, like if it's fake, if you can prove that the information is incorrect, then you, you do that. You discredit it like that. If Al Qaeda had information that was accurate on a sitting American president, it doesn't make me a fan of Al Qaeda to say we should know what that information is. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's tricky. Here's a, here's what I have a problem with. Let's go. Let's play through that same um, t- town hall. Only Hillary Clinton has been elected president. There's champagne. There's like they're having a party and. Maybe they wouldn't take responsibility for f- they wouldn't no. take the same measure of responsibility. No, I, I, th- I think they, they would have taken responsibility if it was close. They would have said, Ye- why was it this close? Yes. Yeah. We, we, that, we screwed up by making it this close. It, and it, to me, that's that's interesting because it, they started they started by showing us admitting how powerful powerful they are. Like, I'm sorry that we're responsible for Trump. <laughs> yes. And if they were, if Hillary were to have won, it's like, yes, we did it. And that that's where I have a problem. It's like Google shouldn't be decided. I know that you just, as you just said, that's kind of overinflated and a little bit yeah. arrogant of them to assume opinion, that yeah. they, they won an election. Um, but it, it is, it is, even if they're just claiming that they did it, that to me, that's problematic. Ultimately, I think all information and the social contagions and and everything comes down to the waves and rhythms of humanity in general. And wow. and yes, we think of of anybody who has a thing go viral. And this is if you've been in 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 media, you understand some things get traction, some other things don't. Some things mm-hmm. you love that you put so much time and effort in. <laughs> Nobody cares. Oh, the dumb thing that you farted out in, in five seconds <laughs> becomes your legacy, right? Yep. A- anybody uh, yeah. who has tried to, con- to create understands that process. But yet we don't think that when it comes to information and ideas, we think that it is very on purpose and that there are brilliant people that know how to program. And, and uh, 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 these are the marching orders that we get when even though obviously just like there are amazing artists, there are amazing artists that, that can continue to hit the zeitgeist over and over and over and over and over again. Although at a certain point that ends, there's always a gamble. You're always betting on whether or not humanity is with you because you never program humanity. You just get lucky that you're running on that same rhythm at that same moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the poet, the Auden, the poet, put it really well. He talked about how, like, it's it's easy to con- to conform mu- uh, music to truth, but it's almost impossible to conform truth to music. Like, um, it's 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 so you have to be truly gifted to change society, and you have to be a little narcissistic to begin with in order to think that you can, uh, yeah, or maybe less so that you should. Um, and this is one other connection I had is just like the Greek roots of the word apocalypse, um, because it was co-opted later to mean revelation. So mm-hmm. it's like 
there's this interesting dichotomy here where these two elements seem to be like deeply conflicted, like, oh, great. The truth is revealed to me, but in the form of the end of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think that there's anything better that we can go out on. Uh, Kevin, Ryan, uh, uh, one, one bit of news. So, uh, uh, I keep uh, yelling at you to write more. And uh, uh, I want you to start a Substack, but in lieu of that, uh, we're going to publish some of the stuff that you have written on my Substack uh, because uh, I'm going into a bit of a busy season, and I just want more people to read your stuff. So uh, uh, we're going to run your we're going to run your 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 Kanye uh, a piece that that I I actually helped edit, and it was really really fun to work with you on that. Mm-hmm. And that should be out by the time that this comes out because this is going to come out on Friday. So uh, uh, everybody, go ahead. And and check that out because uh, obviously it is tremendous restraint that whenever we go an hour talking with Kevin Ryan, that Kevin and I just do not devolve almost entirely into discussions about Kanye West because that's all we talk about personally. Oh, it's t- oh yeah, I mean it's like we it's our shorthand. We'll use Kanye yes. references to describe Hunter Biden and, and when we're texting. <laughs> And we do show a lot of restraint. I want everybody to know that. Like, yes, we're, it's hard, but we do it. Uh, but if you want to read uh, in very, very, very uh, 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 excellent Kevin Ryan fashion, a dissection of the Netflix Kanye uh, uh, documentary Genius, then then please do that. Because uh, I thought that the, the documentary was fascinating. I, I really, really liked uh, editing through uh, what your thoughts were on it. And it'll be on my Substack. So I believe it's a free political newsletter dot com. Go and get that there. Kevin, uh, thanks so much, man. Good to be here, brother. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you want to thank Mr. Kevin Ryan for coming on the show and helping us expand our minds with philosophy, wit, and witticism, you can go to letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Of course, if you want to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, the show on Twitter at px3tweets. You can get us live on the internet, px3live.com. Of course, you can support us with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. My Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash, and you can send anything you would like in the mail to P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Guys, a lot of you have been sending me hats in the mail because I said that I was not mad, even though I'd paid off all my student loans, tens of thousands of dollars in student loans. I was not mad that the government was forgiving $10,000 for many, many borrowers. All I requested was that the federal government send me a hat. And I will say, I will say that many of you have taken it upon yourself to make your government whole again by giving me a hat, sending me a hat out of your own Charity, And I appreciate it, and I would like to continue to do it. But I would be lying if I did not inform you with this late-breaking news. Friends, the reason why I'm in Philadelphia is because we spoke to the FBI. 
They are big fans of the World's Greatest Con podcast. And so, Brian, mostly the host of the show, Brian Brushwood, uh, with very, 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 very occasional cut-ins by me. Like, <laughs> you could probably count uh, uh, on, 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 on one hand uh, the amount of words that I spoke the entire time. Mostly Brian, but still, we were both announced, so it still counts. The federal government, in this case, federal law enforcement, gave me a hat. I'm wearing right now, as I record this, a blue with white stitching <laughs> FBI hat. So the federal government, after I, 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 I publicly exclaimed about it on Twitter, I, I, I demanded they give me a hat. I, I cannot lie to you and tell you that the federal government in the last few weeks has not given me a hat because within hours of me recording this, indeed, I was gifted a hat from the federal government. That should not stop you. I still want 10,000 hats for $10,000. Head on over there uh, uh, and buy me, buy me a hat. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, if you want to get your bonus content. You got to go over to takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Including Matt, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Level, Katie, Amanda, Yeo Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, Invoke Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana, Turn 2, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot. Middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted. Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen A L D L D L D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, you want your name read on the program? Only one place to do it. Take politics seriously. Com. And that's it for us this week. I hope everybody has a great week. Temperatures are coming down a little bit. Pumpkin spice lattes are available. We're past Labor Day. So if it's still still uh, hot enough to go get in the pool, go get in the beach, then please go ahead and do it. Because we are about to uh, saunter on into the fall. Which means... Oh... Oh, chill ran up my spine. The spirit of the midterms has come upon me. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all three.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.